for all those who feel called to build something bigger than themselves, but have no idea or representation as to how to bring it to pass. This podcast is for you. Let's figure it out together. Get ready. Let's build. Four, three, two, one. Everything that you've been through up until this point has helped you create your why. And when you have a strong why, nothing will stop you. What up, 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 what's going on, y'all? Hey, Princeton Parker here. First of all, I want to thank God for life and love, and I want to thank you for listening. Yo, I hope your year is off to a good start for everything that you want to go down in your life. It is crazy in our country already. 2021 is trying to show out, <laughs> but we're not having it. We're not letting nothing steal our joy. We're not letting anything steal our focus for this year, but we are going to stay in the posture that we need to be in to get everything we got coming to us this year. So here's what we about to do on the podcast. Where the men at though? Where you, where you at though? Where you at though? Where you at though? I'm about to do a series for men. Why? Because I feel like it. <laughs> I've always wanted to say stuff like that. I, I want to be that bold in real life. No, here's the thing. Um, as a man, I realize that there aren't a lot of productive conversations for us. We're either not talking about the stuff we're dealing with or you got some people talking about it, but it's just the wrong advice. So one of the things I realize that people don't talk about is what do we do when we get our heart broken? What do we do when we get hurt? What do we do, particularly in relationships, when it doesn't work out? Um, I know what it is to be in situations where you get hurt, rejected for whatever. Um, I have broken up with people. I've been broken up with. I have been to the whole thing. As a matter of fact, let's, let's just talk about that. Like dating is a whole dumpster fire in the in the 21st century. It's a dumpster fire with a diaper in it. <laughs> no but seriously it's hard and uh, as men sometimes we not sometimes we don't get talked to about what it's like to be healthy men we get these caricatures and and we had one of two things again either no conversation or really bad conversation and so I wanted to do a series to talk about some stuff that I've been wrestling with and so I pulled on some on some dudes who inspire me and one of them, we're going to talk about this first one. Let's kick it off. How to heal after a breakup. So here's my hope for this. I hope that if you're a dude who's ever been through some stuff, you'll just give us about an hour where we could just talk and be honest for a little bit. And uh, I hope that something that I said or that our guest is going to say today will help you. I will introduce him in the segment where we did the interview, but he's the one and only Keshawn Scott who is brilliant. Um, he is uh, famous on social media for his talks, his writing, his advice, his coaching that he gives on relationship. He's a brother who I respect a lot, and I think you're going to appreciate the way he approaches this conversation. 
conversation. So whether you're a brother who is picked this up because you're like, oh, bet, like I'm, I'm down to listen to that. Whether this was sent to you, whatever that might be, come hang out with us a little bit. We're going to make this podcast for the next few weeks, a man cave. Uh, it's by a brother for brothers so we can be better brothers. That's it. Uh, so yeah, let's get into it. We're going to talk about how do you heal after a breakup, how to do it the right way. Let's get into it. Y'all, what's happening? Welcome uh, to Building Without a Blueprint. I am so excited uh, to have this brother, our guest, on with me. Listen, uh, if you don't know who he is, where have you been on social media? Here's the thing. I know you've been on the Explore page. One of your friends then shared something he's posted. I remember the first time I saw this brother, I was in my room having a fit over some stuff I was going through. This brother has a way of looking into the camera and speaking exactly to what what you need when you go through a breakup. And I've known for a long time, we connected on social media since then. And I've known he had to come by and blaze through the podcast. This is a perfect moment. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the one and only Kishan Scott. Yeah, man. What's Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here right now. It's an honor to be here. And you do amazing work too. So I'm not the only one that's supposed to be praised here. I, I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that. So if somebody's been under a rock, not on Instagram, uh, just just unpack a little bit. Who who are you, brother? What do you want people to know about you off top? Well, I, mean, I help men and women heal from relationships that weren't worth saving, um, helping them get over breakups and heartbreak and divorce just so they can live their best life and they can become their best, their best self. I've been through a, a tough relationship as well, went through a breakup, took me two to three years to heal took me two to three years of my life to heal. And it was rough. It was ugly. It was dirty, but it was worth it. And I'm just here today to help people go through that same exact storm so they can, you know, get their breakthrough and get their happiness back and their peace of mind. Wow. There, first of all, did y'all hear when his brother said, I help people heal from relationships that weren't worth safe. That is, that is the clearest is most right to the point byline that I've heard about somebody's purpose. And I love it because that's why I wanted to have you on. Not only are you a great speaker and coach and author, but you've been through it and that's what people need to hear from. So tell me a little bit about that experience and that story of your breakup and how did you respond after that? I mean, it was back in like 2010. It was scary. It was ugly and I didn't expect it, you know, and I didn't know that I will really experience pain as a man. I thought I could suck it up. It was going to be all good. I'm strong. I can handle this. But I didn't know I was going to be crying, upset. My heart felt like it was ripping out my ass. Actually feel your body hurting. Heartbreak doesn't only affect you emotionally, but physically too. You know, your body hurts. You feel aches in your back, your legs, your arms, your head. You don't want to go to work. You don't want to sleep, you know. And you really actually think it was a dream and you want it to be a dream. That's bad. You want it to be a dream bad. And the struggle was real, but I, I had two choices, you know, either be helpless, you know, or be hopeful. So I had to push past all my negativity, go to church more often, you know, change my friends, change, have a plan for my life and create a really, really good exit plan, you know, from that breakup and really find myself again. And through that journey, that messy, hurtful, painful journey, I found myself and it was worth it. It was worth it. It was it was tough. It was scary. I had you know where I didn't actually I had no vision. I didn't know out 
at one point in my life, I thought I was never going to be happy again. Peace was not with me. Happiness did not know me anymore. You know, joy was away from me. But as I keep pressing forward and keeping a close friends and really striving to become a better me, to become a better son, father, husband, you know, in the making, it was all worth it. You know, and I'll do it all over again to bring back to this point. And that's why we have you on here, on here talking on this episode, because you've you've been through the full spectrum. You're you're on the other side of it now. And now you are married, you got a kid, you gotta tell tell me a little bit about how this story comes to be now. Is it looks totally different from um, 2004. I, I didn't date. I didn't get into no relationship. I wasn't doing anything. I was on a detox. I was on a break. You know, I was on a break for about two to three years. I say three years flat from 2013 in church four or five times a day learning, you know, understanding who I am, understanding my feelings, processing my feeling, knowing what I wanted to change, knowing how I wanted to speak to people, how I wanted to deliver a message. And I didn't want to be the same. So I would have did anything possible to change the man I was because he was a boy. He wasn't really a man. And as I started growing and becoming a better man, I realized I had to laugh at the person I was. I had to laugh at the person I was because that wasn't me. That was someone pretending to be a man. He wasn't a full-blown man. He was a boy. And years passed. And um, I even met women in my life. And I told them I didn't want to have sex until marriage. And women said, I can't talk to you. And I was like, they told me straight up. They said, oh, I'm sorry. I can't talk to you because this is what I need. I'm like, I can't. Just just let's talk. And let's, I like you. Let's talk. Let's just get to know each other, get married. And they was like, nah, I'm good. You know, wow. and then my my wife, I, I, the funny story about it is that I was engaged and my wife was engaged at the same time. We knew of each other. She was engaged with someone who lived like across the street from me around the block. I seen him every day, but it was nothing serious. I was like, hey, what's going on, guys? I knew him. I knew her. Years passed, two years passed. She invited me to her church. I said, I was out of my engagement, breaking up. I was healed. She was going through her, 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 um, her season as well. And she was done. I didn't know. She kept on inviting me to church. I was like, all right, cool. I'll go. Friday night, went to the youth service. I'm hanging out there. I'm like, okay, this is good. I like this. She came next to me. I'm like, hey, you shouldn't be back there with, you know, your fiance. I didn't say anything. I waited till the end of the service. I'm like, oh, let me go meet your fiance. She's like, oh, that's, that's we're just friends. We're not together anymore. Wow. Like, wow. And I, she knew I was together because I was vain on social media all day. <laughs> you but off. You know, she knew. And then we just started talking. I took her out on a date like a week after, you know, went to this restaurant. And we just started talking. And before you know it, we just started sharing feelings. And a year passed, we were married. And next year, the baby, it was, it happened. That's what I, told, I tell people. When you go through a mess in, a, in your season, it will feel like it's long. But the love that you'll get after it, it happens like that. You don't even, it just happens. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. We worry about the pain. But that victory is going to happen. And when it happens, it happens like this fast. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. And it's, and it's the best thing you'll, you'll ever experience ever in your life. I thought I will never get to this point. Like when you're crying and you're upset, you actually think that you're never going to heal. But when you do, wow, God, you, you are, you, you're real. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that's, that's one of the things. Like you know it's the truth. Cause you get, you know, I thank you. I, like, I know you did it. And I think at that moment, I was like, wow, I never thought I was gonna go through that. I, I don't ever want to go back there. So I know what people yeah. feel like, 
when they go through it, I know what you feel like. That's crazy. That's that's crazy because you're you're in that moment where you finally see the reward of the journey you went on. You finally yeah. see and, and and I think the reward is a is a weird word because the reward is that you came out healed, right? Because I think sometimes we can tell people sometimes that the relationship is the reward, but the reward is that you were healed. But as a result of that, it made finding a healthy relationship that much easier. Mm-hmm. But what I love, as you mentioned, which is what we're going to talk about here in this episode, you wasn't always like that. Yeah. Tell me when that breakup happened in 2010. Take me back to to break up, Kishan. Take me back to what what did you do in those moments right after that breakup? How did, how did you respond to it? Um, I was calling her, texting all the time. I was like all the time, every minute, you know. Yeah. Consistently, <laughs> consistently, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to accept it. And I always tell people, one of the second steps of the whole entire process is acceptance. We don't like to accept the fact that it's over. Is there still some kind of stuff lingering around? We don't want to say that. I remember at one point she told me, "I don't love you anymore." Woo. And I, I heard it, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> I know, but I still want you, and I want to make you love me. So, what do I need to do to win your love? And I realized that I was sacrificing everything I am just to be loved by someone who don't love me. Just as long as I love you, that's enough. I don't care if you don't love me. And then I realized at that point that I really needed to heal because I'm doing too much dysfunctional, toxic behaviors. And I needed to heal. I need to do better. So that's when I started my journey of reading more, changing my mindset, changing the way I view myself, um, changing the way I think. And my languages, the, the languages I use, you know, because a lot of times we use a lot of self-defeating languages. Like, I will never be happy. I will never find someone better than her. This is my life. This is who I am. So changing a lot of those aspects really put me in a better position to set me up for success. And I think that's how we respond typically as men. We either try to overdo and overperform to get that relationship back or we go into this space where we just, we have this mindset of, I'm about to bag everybody. We yeah. use more other relationships and womanizing and, and literally just hoeing out here as a means yeah. to heal ourselves. Take me through, what, what else do you see as some of the toxic responses that we have mm-hmm. as when we, get, when we get broken up with, when we break up with somebody? What are some of the toxic things that we typically do instead of healing? I mean, a lot of times what we do is um, we rebound. You know, you look for love and you look for that same person in other women, right? So you look for other people to replace that person because you're like, I, if I can't have that person, then I'm gonna look for someone just like you. And if she's not, not like you, I'm probably molded to be like you because I love you and I want you. And that's why a lot of times we will always be in contact with our ex because we still don't want to lose that emotional connection. That emotional connection is still there because you're not taking no time healing. You know, you're just going from relationship to relationship to fill a void that you can't fill. Only you have to heal in order for that, that void to be filled. Wow. 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 Then you, you said something about being able to call other mm-hmm. brothers. Yeah. And express when you're when you're in that space that is a, a means of of being able to heal. Can you can you just talk a, a little bit of, about that? Yeah, I mean, at times you need that accountability partners, those people that you call that can help you heal, could tell you, hey, brother, I need someone to talk to. You know, hey, I need some emotional support. Can can you come over and hang out with me? You know, women do that all the time. 
like, hey, girl, I'm going through this whole mess with, you know, can you come over and drink some wine and eat some ice cream, get some food? Girl, I'm already in a cab. I'm already over there. Men, huh. hey, bro, can you take a cab over here? I need some I need some support. I need somebody to be with me right now because I'm really, I'm feeling depressed and I'm angry. I just need you to be here with me, man, right now. I need you more than ever. They're going to be like, okay, whoa, whoa, I don't, I'm, I'm not coming there. I don't, like, you can't handle it yourself or I'll be there tomorrow. Or you might see that weird, you know? So we really don't have that really good, sturdy accountability to be vulnerable to the men in our life without it being seen or deemed as weak. Or So one of the things that I think is so crazy, we're just going to flow through the rest of, of this session as we're having this conversation. I think that's just how we are. We're two people who love to unpack and, and have depth of conversation. So I'm going to be pulling out the gems as Brother Scott sharing them with us. And one of them is that we have to normalize as a part of healing, being able to reach out to our friends and have that presence, particularly your friends who are other men, to be able to step in that space and sit with you instead of making unhealthy decisions. And as I think about like my own experience, um, I had some brothers who I could call, but I don't ever think we were just like from jump, like, hey, I'm about to pull up to the house and I'm going to sit with you so that we can find community in a, in a healthy way. And I think that, that that is so important that we normalize that. And in order to do it, we've got to get to the point where we as men are comfortable identifying that. Like, hey, I'm in a bad spot. Let me hit up. Let me hit up my boy. But then on the other hand, having people in your squad that will, will respond and, and not judge you for that. Yeah, because a lot of times men don't ask for help because we fear being judged. We don't want it because if, if we tell you something, like, and that's why we don't open up to women sometimes because if we open up to our woman, even if she's close to us, we feel like we might be criticized and we might not be seen as that strong figure in your life anymore. It's like, oh, he asked for help. He's going through something. He's soft. He's weak. But it's not a weak trait to ask for help. You know, that's the strongest thing someone could ever do is kind of push through those feelings of vulnerable, those vulnerable moments and those times of distress, those times of negative emotions, those times of depression, anxiety, and say, you know what? I need help. I need that cry for help. You know, and it's a sign of surrenderance, you know, because I just seen it a lot of times, you know, when you put your hands up and you're praying and you, you know, you're, you're saying that, you know, I can't do this on my own and I want to surrender everything that I have in order for me to heal and do better because my future depends on this. You might have children, you might have nieces and nephews, brothers and sisters. So when you heal, it's less about yourself, but more about the people that you're going to touch in the future too. Wow. In, in that moment when we're, processing that breakup, you mentioned two things. You said that typically the reason why we have these responses are because there's an aspect of the masculine, our, our version or idea of masculinity mm -hmm. that, was, that was challenged. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because what I hear you saying is that there is the heartbreak, but then there's mm -hmm. the internalized like rejection. Like you rejected me. I feel less than as a result of this relationship, not not ending. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Like what, what's going on in us when that breakup happens? What are we feeling? Cause there, there might be a brother listening to this who, who he feels, but he can't explain what he feels. <laughs> and, and I think that's part of the yeah. problem. Somebody might listen and they'd be like, Hey, I, it's not that I don't open up cause I don't want to, I, I can't put it into words. I just know I feel something. And I know that mm -hmm. what gets me out of that feeling is when I go and have sex with somebody else. So what gets me yeah. out of that feeling is when I turn to these vices or whatever I have. So can you help put language for a brother? When we experience a breakup, what are we feeling? 
I mean, a lot of times we feel different emotions, but I think a lot of times we go back into the past and we start creating the same scenarios in our minds. For example, you have an absentee father, right? You probably wasn't accepted as a child. So in your mind, you feel as if everyone is just giving up on you. When you were young, you never really processed those feelings. So when you're old, you get those feelings, you're going to react to it the same exact way as you did when you were a child and not doing anything. And that, that right there is a response. You think that's good enough because you really never expressed yourself. You really never talked to a therapist. You really never spoke to anybody. And nobody ever asked you, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, tell me about your emotions. And a lot of men, they all anger. Right? And sometimes it's not anger. Sometimes it's frustration because you don't know what, like you, what you said, you don't know how to put things into words. And that's why 90% of men or 95% of men, they never look for closure. Women, they want closure. They want to know why it didn't work so they can have an answer. So when you have an answer, you can fix the problem. Men never ask why this went wrong or even in a relationship. Hey, babe, let's talk about this. I don't want to talk about anything. You know what? Because in my life, as a, when I was younger, every time I talked about something, nothing was solved. So it's, it's, if it wasn't solved then, it's not going to be solved now because I already made up in my mind that you can't fix this problem. This is deeper than you and I don't even understand it. So as a man, if I don't understand it, of course, you're not going to understand this at all. Because I know me better than I know you. So we don't let we don't even open up to people or allow people to come inside. A lot of men, a lot of odds, you know, and it goes back to the masculinity. We don't ever want to seem weak. That's that, that's the trait. It's like if a man bumps you in the street, he pushes you, I have to fight you now. We we gotta we have to fight or I have to say something to you. You talk about my girl, you could be with 50 people. I gotta say something because my masculinity is being tipped, I'm torn apart. Right. You, you're, you're, you're disrespecting me right now. And I don't want to seem weak in front of my woman, you know. So a lot of it is a lot of pride, a lot of ego. But also we got to have some common sense and, and know. For example, I had a friend. Right. And she told her um, son, she came over, she told her son, stop acting like a girl. Right. Stop crying or stop taking the toys. Only females do that. And he was three years old. And I'm like, what? Like. Yeah. He's three years old. He's crying because someone else took his toy, right? A girl. She said, oh, that, that girl, she's supposed to, she's not even crying and she's a girl, right? See, she, she's stronger than you. You're so, you're weak. Why are you crying? And I'm over there and I'm looking at my wife and, I'm, and then she looking at me and I'm like, oh. it, I'm like, I'm like, wow. So I'm like, wow. I want to say something about it, but it's not my place. And I'm like, wow, man. But imagine how many women or parents are like that. And those are the same men who we're talking about now, who's going to develop and be in those relationships and need the healing. Because they're, and that's exactly what it is. So what I'm hearing you say, there is a tie between how you were allowed to grieve as a child yeah. will affect how you will grieve as an adult. Yeah. And and part of the reason is when we when we shame, when we shape masculinity in a way that we say men don't grieve, because that's that's what you're teaching that kid. Yeah. When you say don't cry, you're saying men don't grieve. And so yeah. now that means that he will forever be at a loss for what to do once he gets to that emotion, yeah. because though it wasn't allowed space for as a child. Yeah. And I think it's important because if there are parents listening to this, that 
what you think is strength is actually you're developing a weakness. You're curating what you think is teaching strength is actually curating weakness because you're, when you, when you teach children to cut off emotion, you can't stop emotion from coming up. They're going to have emotion. And so if you just tell them, cut it off, ignore, suppress, then that means that when those emotions come back up later on in life, that that is going to just be the nature of how they, how they deal with it. And I think that's freeing somebody because they're, they might be making Mm -hmm. the link for the first time Mm -hmm. between what they were told as a child by their mom or dad about be strong, don't cry, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Let's stay here a minute. And then I want to come back to what you said about what we're feeling. Cause I think there were two that you said that yeah. um, I didn't think about in a breakup, but let's sit here in terms of childhood conversations. What are some other things that we're saying to children that is creating this space where men won't know how to heal later on? What, what does that sound like for those parents who are listening? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it's important that sometimes our partners are saying some of the same things. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and, and a, a few of the things, one that I could really, I actually was speaking to a group of children one time, high school kids, because the teacher got me in because there's a whole bunch of relationship problems happening in there. And I've never had a conversation with like high school kids. Everything is like college and up. So when I was speaking to them in the moment, but I was doing research before that, when I was doing my research, I realized something very special. Number one, when, when you're like 14, 15, 16, right? You're a girl, you go home. Mom, he just broke my heart. He hurt me. Girl, come here. Don't worry about it. You got to be strong. You got to, you know, you, you got to get over this. You know what? Um, what I need you to do is just start working on yourself, you know, do better. And then she's gonna, she, the mom is going to explain to her about men. She is going to stay there and tell you every man is not for you. You need to heal. There's jerks out there. You need to wait. You need to focus on your schoolwork. You need to focus on your education. You need to get a good job. Um, now, a boy gets in a, um, out of a relationship when he's 14, 15, 16. Nobody talks to him. Who does he hmm. talk to? The same 14, 15, 16-year-old kids that he's around who's going through the same thing. So he's not getting any vital advice. That girl is going home to her mom and having a conversation. Even her father would give her some, some information. She got an older sister that would give her some information. She has an aunt or a niece. But when a, when, a, when a boy is going through something, even if he speaks to his father, man, you gotta get over it. There's a lot of girls over outside for you, man. Don't let one girl mess up everything. Go and get yourself another one. There's more, there's too, that in his mind, there's too many women out there for you to fail. Don't worry about her. Just go, go and do your thing and go on. Even his older brother will tell him the same thing. But for a, for, for a girl, she will get different advice than that, than that boy. Then they're both again two different advice. They're going two different paths. One is on a destructive path. The other one, she's getting it and she's understanding a little bit. She's going to get hurt a couple of times, but she's always going to remember that she has to stay strong and she has to stay focused on either school or something else or some kind of dream. For him, he will always be like, you know what? In order for me to get over this, there's other girls out there. I don't got to worry about you. I'm going to do me regardless. And that's his mindset until he's an adult. So he will forever think as a 14, 15-year-old child in high school wow. when he's 34, 35, because he's not getting any so, kind of advice. This is crazy because that means that in conversation, sometimes we are teaching young men to mm-hmm. use women as a mode of healing. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that that to me... I think in the in the answer to how do men heal, a lot of it is we have to reframe the conversations that we're having with younger men and then man to man that we can't yeah. teach 
it, because I think what happens is my, my, my grandma used to say all the time that an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of the cure. Mm. So instead of trying to focus on quote unquote curing yeah. what men are in their, in their, in their twenties, thirties, mid thirties, and, and even on through life, we could have curbed that had we had more productive conversations uh, when, when men are young. And, and I think yeah. to your, there yep. are two pivotal conversations. One that you already brought up is how we talk to our young boys the first time they experience pain, loss, grief like that. And that's not in your teens. That's when you're a kid. Like <laughs> when somebody takes your toy, it's trivial to us because we adults, but that is real grief to a child. Yeah. And that's one important conversation. But the next to your point is the conversation we have the first time a brother deals with relationship yeah. and, and the loss thereof. And I think that's crazy because I, I have heard that where they say, don't worry about that when it's a million more where that came from. Yeah. And what that does is that teaches you that in order to deal with what you're feeling inside, the solution is to over. And then I think that's crazy because there's so much objectification in that and that you're taught don't love the next woman, use the next woman as a, it's, it's like conquest, gotcha. right? Like that territory. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, that's crazy. Uh, that's crazy important that, that we change. And then I think too, to the point you just made, I wonder what would it do if, we practiced having the same conversations with both children, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like what would happen if, cause to your point, that, that same conversation that we're imagining in this scenario, the mother and daughter have, or the father and daughter about mm. sort of resilience and strength and healing and that kind of thing should be had. Like, I don't understand why they can't be had with both children, yeah. like why we separated it. So I want to go to that point, right? Of the whole idea of different conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I saw this meme one time, or I think it might've been a, a response in the comments to a meme that was talking about how it is expected that women get cheated on three, four times and they're supposed to bounce back. Mm-hmm. A man gets cheated on once and the world is over Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been kind of talking about it, but can you unpack that a little bit? I think it's attached a lot to what we what we just said. But where is that? Where does that difference in resilience come from? And and should it be even? Should both people mm-hmm. be resilient? Are, are women too resilient and men not enough, or are are men not resilient enough and they need to bring up the quotient? What um, unpack that for me a little bit? I think because women are, I think women are a little stronger. I, I know that women are a little stronger, and that's the reason because it happens to them so much times. It's like, it's sad to say, but they're prepared for the pain. Men, like we said just now, they're not, we're not prepared for the pain because we're always trying to find another woman as as a crutch. So when something drastic happens, like a cheating on or whatever it is, it hits him hard because in his life, I've been doing this my, like for a long time and nobody's ever done this to me. And I really love this person right now. So for her to do this, it's hurt me deep because now it's like, it's coming back to me you know, and it hurts. And he doesn't even know how to process, process that because he's never processed that type of pain before. And even if he jumps into another relationship, he's going to start developing trust issues and insecurity. This girl is liking other people's pictures on Instagram or Facebook. He's going to be insecure because he doesn't want to be cheated on ever again. So now, and he's not going to open up. So he's going to go year after year with these destructive behaviors and these destructive habits hurting every single woman because of that one incident. Women, it happens to them again. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm a heel. Hate men. But love is love. You're always going to jump into a relationship because you're always going to find somebody that you find attractive or someone that's going to get your attention, especially for women. For men, that's going to be devastating. 
because you don't think it could happen to you. You think that you got it all together. You probably Whoa. Do. Whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's big. That's big. You should say that one of the reasons why that disparity is there is because we're raised to believe that it won't happen to us. No. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And having the relationships after relationships. Like we, like you just said, with the crutches. Wow. Now the crazy part is while we go around thinking that it's never going to happen to us, women are almost socialized to expect it. Yeah. Like just know that you, you're going to be cheated on. There's men are out here cheating. They are out here. And, and I, and, and I think just so much, which I love about your work goes back to, Hey, let's, let's unpack childhood because so mm-hmm. much of it has to do with the conversations that, that were had with us, how we were raised, what was told to us. And I think that's something we need to fix as it relates to how men heal is we have to stop teaching men that it will never happen to you so yeah. that they're not equipped for what, because somebody's going to fail you in some way. You're going to experience rejection in yeah. some way from someone who you trust intimately, a leader, a boss, a friend, a parent, uh, and, and then especially in this case, mm-hmm. a romantic partner. Yeah. But then we, we have to curve this energy, which is sort of socializing women in our spaces to believe that uh, it's, it's going to happen. So you might as well just get ready for it. Like yeah. I think that both of those are such like harmful narratives and, and realities. So one of the things I want to go back to something you said, which is that when we're processing relationships as men, that typically what's happening is there is this disconnect where you feel like you've been rejected. That's what heartbreak is. The loss of any relationship is also mm-hmm. the struggle of I'm, I am feeling rejected. And that, that goes for whoever you are that you feel like the loss of this relationship, that when you said no to this relationship, you rejected me. And am I less than as a result? But typically we as men aren't as forthright to acknowledge that that's what it is. We stand at these sort of surface level emotions like anger or, you know, we, we start, you know, F her and, and we, yeah. we sort of stay on that shallow level. When you're coaching, when you're helping men heal and understand what healing is and how to get there, how do you get, that brother to actually open up and drill down that the, the root of that emotion is rejection. <laughs> like mm-hmm. underneath your anger, yeah. underneath your, you know, women ain't, you know, underneath all of that is this feeling of I'm rejected, but, but we don't admit that. How do you get, how do you get a brother to, to do that, to admit that yeah. it's rejection that he's feeling? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times too, we have to ask them questions, right? One of the things that um is the questions, asking them questions like what could have, what could you done right? Right. And we have to understand that they didn't reject you as a person. They rejected some traits that you had that was probably dysfunctional. Those traits, maybe it was lack of communication. Right. So what was it that she complained about? Or what are some things that you could change in order to make yourself a better man? So when you ask those questions, then you can say, you know what? I was coming home a little late. All right. So time and attendance, you don't show up enough for her. Right. And then you could say, okay, well, my communication skills I really never like expressed myself because I was always angry. All right, so you got communication skills there and you have anger, right? So let's talk about anger. Tell me, tell me some triggers. Oh, she keeps on questioning me all the time about where I'm, where I'm at, where I'm going. And I'm like, okay, so tell me a time when someone else questioned you. You go say, well, my mom, my mother's always questioning me. Okay, so maybe it's a problem with women questioning you all the time, right? And he was like, well, you know, sometimes he's like, oh, I have a problem too with my, my boss. Is she a male or female? Oh, she's a female. Maybe you don't like women questioning you because your your masculinity. 
But you have to understand that when you're in a relationship now, you have to understand that's your teammate. She's not against you, but she's for you. And in order for you to be a better man, you have to put a lot of these childish ways behind you. So my thing is, is when you ask the right questions, and I'm sure you know this too, when you ask the right questions, you get to the root of the problem. You don't have to motivate, inspire, or preach. You don't got to say a word. You can ask specific questions and get down to the root of the problem. So, and then you can do some role playing. Okay, so I, I guess you did that. Tell me, give me another um, scenario of how you would approach it now. Since you're a little, little bit, he going well. I could have, I could have did this. Man, of course, you could have did that. Sometimes we are in our own way. So, and then you go back to you know how they were raised. You know what were you? What are your beliefs? Like, what do you believe? You know, like, or where do you want to go? He like, I want to be a father. All right. So you think that you can be a good father now? He was probably like, Nah, I got some stuff to work on. All right, so between you being a father to now, we got to get rid of a lot of the junk that's going to stop you from being a great father. You know, so it's always asking the right questions and really getting down to the root of the problem because a lot of people don't know the problem. They just know the reaction to the problem. Like you said, they don't really know the root. They just know the whole entire tree. Wow. I think that's huge. You just said many times we as men only know the reaction to the problem. Yeah. We have really paused to understand the problem. And you said something that I want to make sure that people who are listening that they get is that part of what we have to do in the work of healing is ask the right questions. And I think that one of the things I, I want to sort of liberate is our our friends. And, and I man, this could be a whole episode where we just talk about the importance of having healthy relationships and friendships between men. And I think we'll, we'll pivot mm-hmm. there for a second right after this, because I, I hear like part of it is you you need somebody in your circle, I think that's a part of accountability is asking important questions. Like a part of accountability is somebody who's in your space being able to ask you some questions to help you provoke thought. Mm -hmm. And those questions, one of the questions you asked was, what things could you have done better? And what I heard you say in that is not, it wasn't like trying to make him feel bad for it, but it was getting him for the first time to separate his actions and his identity. Yeah. And we live as as men with those two tied together. In your work, how, how do we get to the point where we see ourselves as more than what we do? Like you, you kept mentioning that we, man, we don't want to be seen as weak for two seconds. Like yeah. why is that? And then number two, how can we grow out of that? Out of that, like I got to be seen as successful, money, not weak, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff because we can't heal until we fix that piece. So why yeah. do we do that? Why are we afraid of being weak? And how do we fix that? I mean, a lot of times it's like everything goes back to how you would grow how you was brought up, you know, and, and that's one of the main things. Everything that you could talk about goes back to then. But one of the things is that um, you got to understand what are you trying to prove? Like, what are you losing? Right. By being vulnerable. Wow. Like, what are you losing? Like, if you're losing something really major, like your life or something. OK, cool. But what are you actually losing? And what are you trying to prove either to your friends or to yourself? or to your family member, or to your mother, or your father, what are you trying to prove to yourself, right? Wow. And you have to be vulnerable. And half of the times, people know exactly what they need to be or how they need to do it. It's just they don't really have people around them that's going to really pour into them and stick around. Because a lot of men and women, we have people who come into our life, say one thing, and then they leave. So there's no consistency with people who's available. But when you show someone mm-hmm. consistency and you show them that yeah, I'm here for you and you can talk to me and they see something different. It's like taking kids from, I don't know if you know Brooklyn, but it's like taking kids from East New York 
Brooklyn too much? Uh, a little bit. All right, Brownsville. You probably say Brownsville, but no Brown. Like take people from uh-huh. East, East New York or Brownsville, and you put them in like Canarsie, you know, or you put them in Manhattan. They're like, oh, this is something new for me, right? Yeah. But you got to adapt to that kind of environment, you know. And sometimes you just don't know, and you've never been anywhere different. Your mind hasn't been anywhere different. You haven't read a different book to you know make you make you think. You never thought and say, you know what? I want to be, I'm going to be a doctor, actually. You ask any one of these guys outside who's like 40, what are you going to be when you're younger? I actually wanted to be a dentist. What happened? Like, I don't know, man. I just, you know, they didn't feel like doing it no more. It was, it was corny to me at some point. You, you know, the, your mind starts shifting based on other people's appearance. And then I ask another question that's very important. Who you, who you live for? You know, or, or who, who do you really want to answer to? You know, and those are like asking the right questions and really like um, getting down to what they really think and, and believe of themselves. And you can also ask people too, how do you view yourself? Give me 10 traits or tell me 10 things you love about yourself. Some, when you ask clients that question, people like 10 things, um, and they start thinking and they'll start telling you materialistic things. They'll start telling you things that they accomplished. They never yeah. tell you stuff like something deep, that's something to the core. You know, like I'm a very loving person. I'm, I'm giving, you know, I remember. And I'll say, give me an example of that. Because so, some people just throw out words. That sounds good. So I yeah. always tell them, give me an example. Of the last time you've, you've been you've been doing that. And when you give me an example, then you see the sensitivity in the person. So then you ask them, so why is it so hard for you to do that then if you've done this? Well, this old lady, she fell and I helped her up the stairs. But you can't tell your wife you love her every single day. But you you have some sensitivity and some love within you. Now you have to show that to the people that wow. you're around. So it's like, you know, asking that question again to the root of the problem. Wow. So I hear you said a couple of things. One of the things I heard you say in that was we got to get to the point where we drill down. When was the mm-hmm. first time you started caring about what people think? Mm-hmm. Like I heard that one time, like, hey, yeah. if, you, if you wanted to be a dentist, when did you stop? And when yeah. did you stop wanting that and why? Because it, it, it is tied to somebody's perception. Like it is tied to someone's influence in our lives or something where we started where we started messing up. So I think yeah. that's important. The other thing that um, I hear you saying is that as we're asking those questions, it is about helping them understand this was brilliant. What do you have to lose? And I, I want to ask every brother who's listening to this, when you're afraid to express how you feel or you don't want to talk about it or whatever that is, what you got to ask yourself is what is it that I'm trying to protect by doing this? What do oh, I think that, I'm I love that one. What do I, what do I think I have to lose by being honest? And, and it's different for everybody, right? Like sometimes, sometimes we feel like, Hey, I'm going to lose this person's admiration or I'm going to lose their respect or, and, and really what, what each man needs to come to terms with is I believe that if I said or did this, you would think this about mm-hmm. me. And we got to get to a point where we realize that that's not even a unique that's not a unique fear to men. That's a fear we have as human beings. And I think that's what you are talking about is that these questions force us to wrestle with, here it is. I think sometimes growing up, we focus so much on masculinity that we don't teach humanity. Mm-hmm. That like mm-hmm. before, before you are a man, quote unquote, and however we define masculinity or it's defined for us, you are a human mm-hmm that there are elements of the human experience that just kind of flow through you. And we skip teaching, teaching men about humanity so we can teach you about yeah. masculinity. masculinity. And 
the the biggest part. And so your questions really sort of drill mm-hmm. that back and like peel back the layers. Like, hey, bro, let's let's rebuild this thing. So you you said something earlier that I want to go back to, which is sometimes that heartbreak hurts for a man because he's got larger issues with women in general. Mm-hmm. That there's something about the way that you see women. One of the things I think that I wanted to bring up is how often do you see that it's an unhealthy relationship with with a brother's mom, mm-hmm. which is the reason why he shows up in a in a toxic or unhealthy way in his relationships. And if there's a brother listening who sometimes it's not somebody in a relationship who broke your heart, it's yeah. your own mom that you had issues with. Your mom abandoned you. She didn't speak life. There was all these things, and that and you've reacted to that by making toxic decisions and, and you're, you're womanizing, you're doing all this stuff. So um, how often do you see that? And then what do you say to that brother who really needs mm-hmm. to heal, not from somebody who he was in a relationship with, but somebody who was his mom and he's yeah. struggling with that. But what do you say to them? I think one of the number one thing I will say is that that's not, that's not you. That's not who you are, right? That's who you were and that's the pain that you went through. That's not who you're going to become. And I always tell people, if you're still breathing, you still have time. Right. If you're still walking, if you're still here, you still have time to change, but you have to really want it. I can't want it for you. What we can do, we can inspire you. We can encourage you and we can try to point you in the right direction, but we can't force you to change and we can fix you and we can mend you. So that's one thing. And another thing is that you have to understand that it's not your responsibility to justify your mom's action through your response. Right. Through how you respond to love. Some of us, mm-hmm. we justify how our mother treat us or. Half of the times, too, like I always tell people, the reason why a lot of men expect women to take them back is because the mother has been in toxic relationships where the father left. Now a boyfriend is there and the boyfriend was rarely there. The boyfriend's mm-hmm. probably in and out just for sex. So now mm-hmm. when the boy gets older and he's in a relationship now, that woman that he's with, you can't leave me. Right. Because I'm supposed to be in and out. That's what I've seen all my life. And my mother never kind of left him. She cried a couple of times, but they got over it and then they made up. So now in that boy's mind, as he gets older, he thinks that you have to take me back because that's what I've always seen. And she grew up like, I'm not going to take you back because my mother was strong. So the boy mother was weak and always took back somebody toxic. The girl mother was strong and didn't take back that man. So now you have two different perceptions on who's supposed to take back who, who's finding closure, why, and then he's feeling abandoned. She's feeling like she's being strong because they have both two different, they were brought up two different ways. So they have two different ideologies about relationships and dating. But what I would definitely say to him is your pain is your responsibility, right? It's nobody else's responsibility to to fix you or mend you or put you back together. That's your responsibility to restore. Now there's help, you know, you can seek, you know, religion, you can seek God, you can do those things depending on, you know, what you believe in. And then there's a bunch of resources, but you have to be open up to change. Either that or you're going to stay there. You want to stay the exact same way and then repeat the same thing over and over again, hurting everybody you come in contact with. That's big because we got to pause. That's fire. Like it is not everyone else's responsibility to heal mm-hmm. you. Neither do you get the opportunity to let people be your, your punching bag at some point. And it's hard because I, and mm-hmm. I love the coupled it together. The first statement was, listen, there, the pain is your responsibility to navigate and to fix. It's not anybody else's job to heal you. It's not anybody else's deal to, to take that. And the beginning of healing is you got to stare that pain in the face. You got to be able to say mm-hmm. for the first time that, hey, this is what I saw my mother do. 
or not do. And then also the second level, which is, this is how my mother treated me. Like I, I know a lot of men present day whose moms literally abandoned them, like mm-hmm. in, in the name, whatever that might've been. And, and I think sometimes we, we talk a lot about the role of, um, Dad, we call them daddy issues, quote unquote. I don't think we talk enough about other wounds and the the mm-hmm. danger of an emotionally absent mom or and a physically absent mom or an abusive mom kind of shapes on on a man. But I love how you said two things. Look, that's your pain to navigate through. And then number two, that that is then there, there's help and there's resources, which I think are are important. Yeah. If if somebody's listening right now and they're out here literally just just being toxic they're being mm-hmm. toxic tell that this is the fourth relationship they're cheating they're not clear about their um their intentions uh masking it with a with a lot of flamboyance a lot of manipulation a lot of sex like we know how the, how the game goes how can we eliminate it so that men don't go and hurt people mm-hmm. like I, I just make this jump with men that like i'm hurt so let me go hurt people how mm-hmm. can we get brother to be like, yo, be hurt. <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. you get to do that. You get to be a human with some feelings, but don't go out and cause these other casualties. How do we rescue it so that we don't get more women hurt and, and whomever comes in our path? Uh, if you see a brother, can you stop him in his tracks? Is it just inevitable? Are just men doomed to go mm-hmm. hurt people? Or is it possible to get him before he, to get us, before we go out and start doing stuff wrong? Like, Hey, let me snatch you up real quick because you you about to mess some some other people's lives up. Let me put the brakes on you. How how do we do that? I mean, that's difficult because a lot of people they grew up with the the misconception that that's who they are, you know. And a lot of people that's what that's what they say. They oh, you need to change. Well, that's who I am. And you know, a lot of a lot of Christian people say that. You know, you see Christian people who do certain things, and they'll say, "Well, this is who I am," and God made me like this. No, He did not make you like that at all. And you could change, but you are just stuck and not and not open to change. So in order to change any kind of man, he has to notice that there's a problem with his actions and his behavior. The way I change is that I, I self-reflect. And I said, a lot of people are saying this about me. It, it might be true. Now, let me think back to some times when I performed like this. Hmm. And then I said, you know what? I do need to change. I'm angry all the time. But he has to see a problem with himself. And then when you pull him, he has to take a break. You got to breathe. Like, you got to breathe, brother. You got to breathe and you have to take a, take a break. The same way women go on detoxes, the same way you do a, a fast or a spiritual detox or whatever it is, you need to take a detox and a fast from life, from people, from relationships, from everything. Just get your life together for like a year, six months to a year. Focus on self-development. Write down all the areas. And this is what I did. Wrote, write down all the areas that you're weak in or all the areas that you need improvement in. I had communication. I had grace. I wanted to be more peaceful. I wanted to listen more than I speak. I wanted so much different things. So I worked on those things because those things are going to make me into a better husband. Those things are going to make me a better father. It's going to make me a better friend, nephew, son. Those things, is, that's what I want. But... I don't want to live the way I used to live anymore. I wanted to break those chains. And I understand that I'm not only hurting myself and people need to understand that men, you need to understand this. You're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting everyone else that you're attached to. Everyone feels that energy. They, you're hurting everyone else. So the first step is you need to understand that you're not perfect. We love you. 
And the reason why we make these, these podcasts and these videos and these books is because we want to save your life before wow. things get out of hand and you hurt everyone else. We want to save one in order to save many. And that's the only thing. We, we love you and we care about you. We're coming from a place of grace. Nothing more, nothing less. Just grace. Because we've been there before. But we just want to show you a different way of navigating through your pain and your hurt and your relationships. That's all. I don't think we hear that enough as men. I love you and I want you to be different. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I think we're, we're either used to one of two things. We're either used to this hyper glorification, which is I love you. You can do no wrong. I'm not mm-hmm. going to check you. It's just whatever it is. Or the exact opposite, which is you're nothing like you'll never be nothing. And, and we, we, we run between those two um, very stark realities. We run between that binary, which is either exaltation or demonization. We're exalted. Yeah. Like you're the thing on earth, do whatever you want. You know, you a king out here, get you three, four, five of them, all that objectification, mm-hmm. all that type. Or it's the other one, which is, you know, you trash, your daddy was trash. Like yeah. th- this, all this is, I, I think there's so much healing in just that phrase. Like, Hey, look, I love you where you are, who you are, and I want you to be better. And that's why we're having this conversation. And that's why we're, we're walking mm-hmm. through this space. I, that's crazy. Um, and I think more men need to hear that, that how do you heal? You have to get to the point where someone says to you, I love you and I want you to be better, but let, let's take it a step deeper. How do you heal? You got to be at a point where you look in the mirror and you say, I love me and I want to be better. And I think that one of the mm-hmm. greatest ways we heal the point you made, which is when you're on that break, which I want to, that's brilliant. When you're on that break, that's for the first time where the change is about you. Yeah. Like we gotta, I think healthy, healthy masculinity, if you want to call it that, or just being good men, is when you're not doing something to impress a woman. You're not where, where you realize that it, it matters to you to be healed. Like mm-hmm. it matters to be okay. Like, hey, I, I ain't trying to go out like this. I see more for myself. And I think that's crazy. Tell me a little bit more about this principle called the break. Like you said, take a break, take a breath. And you said six months to a year. I know somebody was listening to that. It was like, did this brother just say six months to a year? I think I know what I heard when you said that, but I think that's a huge part of how do men heal. I, I can tell you this, not one person in my life told me I should take a break. <laughs> not one person. In fact, everyone encouraged me like, hey, you just need to get out there. You need to, you need to stop focusing on this relationship. Get, get out there is, you know, you, you were young and, and, and what was crazy was I felt God telling me chill. Mm-hmm. Like I felt God like Princeton, let, let me get you alone for a little bit. And what was happening was when I was out dating, I didn't have no clarity. I mean, I was, I was still messing stuff up because mm-hmm. I, I'm out here. I'm out here thinking I'm cute for the first time trying to reclaim that, <laughs> that I'm all right. Mm-hmm. I'm not hurt. Like I'm good. I'm out here. You know, I'm, I'm freshly mm-hmm. 24. I, I'm a, I'm gonna learn how to flirt. You know, I just none, none of the stuff that was me, man. I, I grew up in church. Like, I'm a church kid. I, mm-hmm. I, that whole thing is not my vibe. But I was trying to lean into it because I never got that wisdom. So talk to me about that. What does that entail? What does that mean? Because I think there are so many of us as men who need to hear, like, you don't have to be dating somebody or getting in somebody's DMs literally yeah. every single of your life. What about that. I think one of the things too that I heard was, you know, don't pick up what God is telling you to put down. You see, a lot of us, we like to touch and we like to touch. And God's like slapping our hands. He's like, you're there. He's like slapping him. And he's like, I just need your attention for one moment. And God's moment is long, you know. And 
when you say a break, like women go on break all the time. She, I'm not talking to no man. I'm focus on my career, my goals, my dreams. Men, do the same thing. Focus on your dreams, your goals, your business. Focus on your, your family, building that relationship. Focus on everything that's going on in your life. Because for one moment, you're responsible for you. You're not attached yeah. to nobody else. If you have any kind of issues, you're not putting on anyone. You're just healing in your life. You can talk to people, of course, because, you know, that's that human connection. But don't get into anything serious. You know, know what you want and work on you. Don't go into a relationship with the same mistakes from the past. Know what you need to heal. Take a detox. Cleanse your mind, body, and soul. Learn how to love yourself. Learn, understand that you're human. Understand that you're going to make mistakes. But just take a few months, you know. To, and the reason why I say six months to a year is because three months, you're going to think that, you, that you're good. And then you're going to go and you mess stuff up. And you're not good. Right. Wow. You're going to think that you're good, but you're not. It's going to take some time because the first month is just a trial. You're going to mess up. Second month is still probably mini trial. Third month is when you're going to say, you know what? I messed up those last two months. I need to, I need to start over because you're going to start over a lot of times. So that's why it's six months to a year, maybe even 18 months. You're yeah. going to keep starting over because you're going to be failing. You ever going on a diet and then you're not supposed to eat something certain, but for some mm-hmm. reason, you unconsciously eat that one thing like, oh, I got to start over. That's how it is. You're going to have to start over again. And it's okay to start over because you're recognizing that you're making mistakes. So recognition is something, but you can't keep living in denial. Like you're not good. Like, like nothing's wrong with you when something mm-hmm. clearly is. So that's part of the, um, definitely the process of it. So in the process, you said um, this is where you're focusing on your career. You're mm-hmm. focusing on what matters to you. And then you talked about earlier, like you make that list. What do I want to improve on? And that could just be in general, or it could be attached to the relationship, right? Here were some things I did wrong, which is the reason why, or if I did nothing wrong, it's what I want to give to myself. Yeah. You said something that I want to unpack. You said, cleanse your mind and your spirit. Mm-hmm. Somebody's listening and they're like, how do I do that? What do you mean? How, how does somebody mm-hmm. cleanse their mind and their spirit? I think it's first recognizing what you need, what you want to do, right? Recognizing what you want to do and you have to have the, you have to have a plan, right? So for example, if I'm cleansing my mind, I'm cleansing for something, right? So I'm, my thing is coming from a Christian point of view, if I'm trying to cleanse my mind and my body, I'm going to have my goals set down. Like this is what I need to do. I need to become a better husband or a better father. The way I talk to my wife, the way I come home, the way I communicate, those are the issues that I want to kind of cleanse in order to be replaced. Because if you're cleansing something, you're replacing it with something, right? If you're removing something, you're replacing it with something better. So what you want to do is you want to um, put, like for example, remove things and you want to start watching different things, reading different things, being entertained by different things. So you want to replace those things with good stuff. So if you're trying to cleanse your mind from, say, if it's pornography, or if it's um, negative friends, then you got to say, you know what? I can't be a representation, so I can't be around that anymore. I got to separate myself, which means mm-hmm. I need to put myself in a different environment. So I want to think about that previous environment. So changing the way I see things, changing what I read, changing um, what I watch, changing who I talk to, changing the words that I say, changing what I listen to, the kind of music that I listen to, um, changing what I eat, because even when you're doing a cleanse on your personality or your um, wow. who you are, the foods that you eat is attached to how you behave as well. Sure. Yeah. You can't have a good day eating like a burger in the morning. You having dinner in the morning. I've seen friends who eat a plate of Rasta pasta 
at eight o'clock in the morning and expect that day to go good. No, you know, you want to be lazy and unproductive. So you got to really plan for your entire life to flourish. Your entire life have to be a reflection of where you want to go in the future. And if it doesn't add up, then you got to subtract it and you can't, it can't go with you. Wow. There it is. The break from six months to a year where you're focusing on, I have some goals that have nothing to do with romantic yeah. relationships. And so just, just so, just so we're clear, can I still slide in DMs during my six months to a year? Can I still be, be out? No you know, way. Couple in the side for just in case things get a little, get a little rough or, or right, what, what, six months to a year. I know I'm focusing, but can I, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, sometimes it's even taking a social media break too. So that's a good, that's a good analogy. A good, a good question. Because sometimes it's separating yourself from social media and the things that's going to distract you. Because social media is a distraction. You're trying to get from point A to point B. The explore page, you got girls shaking their booty on there. You got men doing this. You got people talking this. You got your friends sending you messages. Oh, check this girl out. One most and one very important thing is coming up with a sentence to tell your friends. Like that is that's not me no more. Hey, bro. I'm going on a fat, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some kind of, some, I'm doing something right now. Where I'm trying to get my life together. So please don't send me that. You have to be so okay and so comfortable putting people in their place that it's going to scare you. Because a lot of times I tell my friends, yo, bro, don't send me that no more. You know, don't send me that no more, babe. What? You used to love this. I used to send this. All- no, don't do that no more. That's, I don't want to wow. see that. Right? Wow. Because you're going to corrupt my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm going this way. You're sending me stuff that's going to get me back there. I don't want to go back. I've been there. There's nothing, there's nothing new there. I've been back there. I'm going to have the same results. I already know the results that I'm going to get going back there. I've been there 10,000 times before. Nothing's going to change. But I want to I want to see what's, what, what God has in store. That's, I've never been in that realm. But I've never been in that area before. So I would sacrifice everything back just to see. I don't know where it's going to take me. But I know what back there is. And wow. if it's, it's not, I don't want to be back there. I want to go forward. So a lot of it is like really setting boundaries and some high expectations for yourself as a man. Dude, can I tell you that that's, that's another word we never hear as men. The, the B word, bruh, you might as well have yeah, cussed. No. Uh, boundaries, bruh, like that is not anything we get taught in our world, but particularly like that's so much a part of what you said is in this break is your boundaries. You have boundaries around women and your interactions. Cause, mm-hmm. and, and I love what you say. You're going to mess up the month one, month two, month three through month six mm-hmm. is that because you're not, you're not in a healthy space. Every mm-hmm. interaction you have can't really be trusted. Like, yeah. cause you're, you're just unhealthy space. So that's crazy. And then we got to set boundaries around our people. Like if our friends aren't in that same healthy space, ideally they, they should be where they can support us. Yeah. But if they're not, we got, you know, we yeah. got to step up. Yeah. Let me, let me ask these last, these last two questions. And then I just want to recap for the people who are listening. Many of us in our healing journey, we, that's why we have so many quote unquote other relationships that we turn to. One of the things is sex and men are trying to sex their way out of how they feel. Mm-hmm. And that part of it is the reclaiming of power that you talked about. Like I'm talking to all of these different people so I can still feel like I got it. I'm not rejected. But how do you tell a brother that sex doesn't heal him? Because mm-hmm. to him, to us, it feels good. It, it's making me feel a little bit, a little bit better if I got a roster going. And many times that's where the manipulation comes in. 
how, how do you help a brother understand that that sex is not a means to heal? I mean, I would say the same way you said it, <laughs> right? Yeah. That sex does not heal you. Yeah. You know, it's only a temporary thing, right? It's a temporary fix. And how do you feel after it? Like, you're just going back to the questions. You know, how, like how, how does it make you feel after it? You say, oh, and when it's done, it's done. You know, and I'm saying, and then you got to go back to self-control, right? Self-control and discipline. So the means to have sex says more about you than you think. And if you cannot control yourself, that says more about your self-discipline than anything mm-hmm. else. So when you can't control yourself sexually and you want to be successful business-wise, you can't, you, you won't be able, you won't be disciplined enough to handle anything. Because sure. you'll always be weak in some area, which will show and will reflect in other areas of your life. So then you'll ask, what do you want most? You know, like, tell me, what, what, where do you want to go? Where, like, where's your goals? He's like, oh, well, I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to be this. Okay. So what are you willing to give up or sacrifice in order to get to that area? Anything. So you're, you're willing to sacrifice for not having sex with a woman for two years. <laughs> Think about it. If you say, if wow. you were guaranteed by God and he said in 2023, January 1st, there would be somebody who's going to come in your life and they want to give you $10 million. But you need to not have sex for, until then. After that day, you can do whatever you want. But until then, that takes self-discipline. So at this, at this time, your goal is that million dollars, whatever it is. Whoever you want to be, that man you want to be, that's that million. That's a $10 million. So between now and then, Anything that comes in between that has to go, right? It, ha- it has to go. So you, you can't really have all of that and still be successful. You have to be disciplined in every area of your life. Wow. 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 Y'all, I'm going to recap and then I'm going to let Kay take us home on this. Here's the thing. Uh, we've, said, we've said a lot. First thing that he brought out that I want y'all to hear is that you have to take ownership of your healing journey. They're part of the reason why mm-hmm. <laughs> I told a friend of mine, I was on the phone with her and I thought I was doing this podcast and, and I said, you know, hey, you know, we got Keshawn Scott coming on. It's about to be it's about to be fire. And, and I'm going to call the episode. How do men heal? And she you know, thought she was being funny. She was like, they don't. And I was like, well, that's why we're doing the podcast. Yeah. And so back to what you said, which is we got to take ownership of that experience. At some point, yeah. it can't be about using people to get our healing. So that's the first thing. The second thing is at any heartbreak. We need to make sure that we have healthy male friendships, yeah. that we have healthy friendships with other men. Number one, uh, at the very beginning, we talked about so that there is a presence that they can actually come and sit with you and uh, that they can be present and, and pull up and sit with you so that you have healthy intimacy. And that, that's a word we don't like to talk about. You talked about this, how we sort of, we mm-hmm. we declare that certain words aren't masculine and that's very problematic that when to the same thing you mentioned self-love self-care intimacy we and and there's so much there's so many reasons why we do that but we sort of shun those that that's not being a man but intimacy between men is important and it's as simple as i'm gonna sit with you we're going to talk read go to church go play ball go work out go watch video games work on your favorite science project go shopping whatever it is that y'all do so that you can know that you're, that you're not alone. The other yeah. thing that he said when you're healing is you got to ask the right questions or yeah. somebody has to ask you the right questions, which is why are you hurt? 
what happened in the relationship? How do you feel? That's the money maker. If we get that one, like, man, we'll we'll grow. Um, and then I think one of the big ones is uh, we're both men of faith. Like, where does your spirituality come in to form you? Whatever it is that you believe, if you're rocking on building out a blueprint, you know that that um, that my context is Christian. But for whatever you believe in, that spirituality needs to step into that practice so that you're not just out here being toxic, but rely on that spirituality to, to shape you. And then he said, you got to know how to have those things you need in your life. People, therapists, faith, and then change what you're reading and watching. So at one point you're, you're getting it out, you're talking, but then on the other part, you're setting boundaries around what you're taking in to get you cleansed. And this is my favorite man, which, which just might be something I, I, I got to do Ooh. is the break. When you finally put some boundaries on like, Hey, if you're not, if you're not, healed from that if you aren't processing that properly don't be out here messing messing with people get right and and then get out there so there's so much in that man listen take us out what do you want to say to somebody who's listening to this and they've never heard stuff like this before they've never heard stuff like unpack your childhood and and where did you start learning to protect not wanting to look weak and and rejecting your vulnerability and all of that would you just minister to somebody who's on this man who they come here, they're, they're in a heartbreak. Something happened in their last relationship and they've been sad about it. Their own moms wasn't there, man. And, and they don't even know that that's the reason why they're out here literally hoeing it up because they're running away from the hurt that their mom caused them. Just, man, take the floor, say whatever you do. Do, do your thing, man. This, this is all you. One thing that I'll say is um, it's okay to hurt, right? It's okay to cry. Like, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to, to feel your feelings, right? It's not weak. It's not immature. It's not soft. You know, it is not frowned upon to express who you are, but you can't stay there. Right? It's okay to have your period of time where you're grieving, you're crying, you're upset, and you're angry, and you're all over the place and you're frustrated, but you can't stay there. Right? You have to heal. It's not even, a, it's not even up for discussion. You have to heal. You have to do better. You have to grow because someone out there needs you. Because when you heal, you heal someone else. I don't want people to come up to you and say, hey, I'm going through something and you're not able to give them the information that me and Princeton shared tonight. So if you could do anything for yourself, heal. Take the necessary steps to put your pride aside, put your ego aside, and heal your heart. Whoever, life is too short to hold on to so much anger, so much regret, and so much frustration. You're only hurting yourself. You're not even hurting the person or the oppressor or anybody else. You're only hurting who you are. Wow. So you have to really step outside yourself and figure out what you, you really want. Because you only have two choices. You can either be helpless or you could be hopeful. That's it. You can either heal or be helpless for your entire life. If you want to be helpless, helpless grab some crutches, go and do your thing. But if you want to be amongst the strong people who really want to change their life, who really want to take a stand, who really want a beautiful family, a great relationship. If you want to be around those small percentage of people who take control of their life, then this is the season for it. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're not here by chance. You're here for a reason. So I strongly believe stop trying to pick up what God is telling you to put down and start creating a plan and taking some necessary steps in order for you to heal. That's it. We believe in you and you got this, but you have to believe in you. Wow. Man, I appreciate you to the person who is listening. You just might not have ever heard that from two Black men to say, yeah. love you. We want you to be better. It's okay to hurt. 
And uh, you already know the vibe on this series. We're saying this because we went through it. So uh, Brother K, I appreciate you so much for, for being on this. This is, this is really huge. Thanks for coming through and blazing like this, man. There you have it, y'all. Hey, listen, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I certainly enjoyed having that conversation. Again, this is personal for me, y'all. I know what it is to go into dating situations unhealed. I know what it is to uh, to mess up because I wasn't dealing with what was the root on the inside of me. I, I know what it is to try to be in situations just trying to feel better, just trying to get uh, my ego back, just trying to recover. I know what it is to ignore my feelings, but I know what it is also to go to therapy. I know what it is to uh, have good men in my life who I was able to share my my heart with. I know what it is to recover. Um, I know what it is to be held accountable and to apologize and set new boundaries. And so uh, I hope you feel that. I hope you feel that I am a man just like you struggling with how to get this thing right um, and how to feel and how to deal with what I feel and not hurt other people in the process and how to grow out of some of the the dumb stuff that I see about manhood and try to fight for something different so much love to you if you stayed through this whole episode listen um, shoot me a note shoot me a DM on on Instagram on IG um, bros, let me know. Let me know if this helped you in any kind of way. If anything made sense, didn't make sense, please follow Keshawn Scott uh, at Keshawn, K-E-I-S-H-O-R-N-E, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, on everything. He's got two books out. He's got a coaching program. He would be a great place to start if you're looking for a brother to just sort of help you navigate life and what's going on. So uh, subscribe to this podcast. I would love it if you would leave a review, particularly my, my brothers. Um, I, I thank God for the incredible women who uh, support the podcast. Um, I, I want to know this is for the this is for the bros. So if this has touched you, if this has helped you, I, I want to hear from you. Please subscribe and, and write a review on the podcast so that other brothers can be blessed as well. So yeah, man, love y'all so much. It's going to get deep. We got, we got like two, three more of these coming. So I hope you're ready to rock with me some more and I'm going to share more about my own personal experience. But until next time, Hey, bruh, get it right. Get healed, bruh. <laughs> All right, here we go. With God as your foundation and purpose as your motivation, you know what it is. Keep building, family. <laughs>